Hello, everyone. You're listening to episode three of The Power Of. If this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast series aimed for young people and anyone anyone else listening to get inside the minds of other young people. My friends and I discuss a certain theme or topic that has been relevant in our lives, and this is a safe area. All ideas, opinions, and thoughts are respected. This episode's theme is the power of music, a topic which, if you know me quite well, is is very close to my heart. I'm Tamid. I'm a recently graduated medic from UCL and will begin my foundation training as a doctor in August in Cambridge. Joining me today, we have Arib, a friend I first met at a concert in late 2017. And in fact, we've only actually ever met up at concerts since. Um, he studied natural sciences at UCL and he majored in neuroscience and psychology. We also have Ali, who I went to school with. Um, and we were actually next to each other in the register. And like me, he studied medicine at Imperial College London and will begin his foundation training in August in the southwest of England. And lastly, we have Mittal, who also went to school with Ali and I, and he studied A-level music and GCSE music with me, um, but went on to study music at U- the University of Bristol and now works as an individual giving officer as part of the fundraising team at London Music Masters. Thank you guys very much for joining me today. And I'm, I'm quite excited to actually have this conversation with you. I know that there's been, I know that I have friendships with you guys outside of music, but I know that a lot of the bonding that I think w- I've done with you guys over the last four or five years has been related a lot to music. And I thought that you guys would have a lot to say, actually. So in terms of, for me, I think music has been almost like the constant in my life since about the age of 11 or 12, since we were in like year seven or year eight, I I've always been interested in discovering music, new music, and there's always new music being released, new artists, every, something to discover, basically. Um, I still use my iPod, actually. I know that's quite old school. Um, I still download a lot of my music. I, I do stream a lot. I do use Spotify and, and whatnot, but I, I do tend to download a lot of my music. Um, I think it's because I have an iPod and I've paid for it and I have this space, so I feel like I need to make the most of it. But one of the one of the great things I think about music is that especially in this lockdown period, I wasn't listening to it too much towards the start because I think I thought to myself, music is something that I listen to a lot on my commute to union back or when I'm in the car. So I wasn't actually really consuming it in the way that I, I normally would. So I wasn't listening to it too much, but recently actually I've been listening to it a lot more and kind of appreciating it in a way that I necessarily probably wouldn't have before. And, um, I think for a lot of people in lockdown, actually, and people who have been in isolation, who have li- been living by themselves, I think music has probably been a great thing for them to make them feel like they're not not alone. They are they're able to have something to 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 be with themselves. And I think there's a there's a great kind of um, message in music that there's it's it's an art in a form. They people are telling stories. Um, people are st- telling their experiences through their music, and I think it's great because. I think there's an idea that there's something in music for everyone, but I think that's not necessarily the case. I think that music is for everyone. I think there's stories that deserve to be heard by everyone who's releasing music, everyone who wants their experience to be shared. And um, going on from that, I think there's obviously there's a lot of uplifting music around. There's a lot of a lot of joyful experiences that are, uh, are said. But there are a lot of there's a lot of sad music out there. There's Adele singing "Someone Like You." There's Frank Ocean. There's like Nick Cave singing about how his son died last year. And these are very depressing and mournful experiences that they're singing about. But I think that what they're trying to, what they're trying to say is that we're human. And although they're seen as these celebrities, these untouchable kind of beings of society, what they're saying is that we've been through something quite bad and we know that everyone else does and we're just like you. And I think that's the message that they're trying to say. It's a kind of a shared experience. It's almost like a, a form of therapy. And for me, I think that's when music really matters because it, it's not just an amalgamation of notes and rhythms and melodies and, and um, words put together, which sound really good and stay in your head. And um, it's like an earworm hook or something like that, but it transcends that and it turns into something more. Um, and it turns into a message and a meaning that actually kind of uh, stays with you and makes you ponder more about, um, about what you've just heard. So that's kind of where I stand on it. I've got more to say, but I do want to let someone else speak now. So, Arab, if we start with you, I obviously met you at the Chance of Rapper concert in 2017, and I'd never met you before. And I really thank Chance for that, actually, because we obviously developed a, a strong friendship after that. But um, if it wasn't for him and if it wasn't for our mutual friend who can go in the end, I would never have met you. And 
obviously share these experiences with you. But if I start by asking you this, it's kind of an open question and anyone's, anyone else can feel free to, to kind of um, say what they want to say. But how does music fit into your life and what does it, what does it mean to you? Hey, Tamid. Um, honestly, I think it's difficult to st- state just how much music has sort of shaped my life in many ways. It's such mm. an immeasurable impact for me. Um, I always think that there's music for any mood. You know, if you're, if you're happy, you're getting ready for something, you've had a bad day, you've had a good day, you've... Uh, mm struggled a bit I mean music is always there I think I really started to appreciate music a lot more back in sort of middle of school when there were a few years I mean like like everyone there were a few years when school wasn't fantastic but then that's when music really sort of stepped up and yeah certain artists have just really helped me through times um even at university and even now until today obviously Mm. I would say being in lockdown, um, yeah, work can be pretty stressful. I'm on a call quite a lot, long days, but I always have my sort of midnight, 2 a.m. music sessions that I don't really waver from. And mm. yeah, I've been listening to music almost nonstop, even now. I mean, someone like Lana Del Rey, who's become definitely on my most played artist in uh, in lockdown. And in part, that's just because of, the fact that her music really sort of relaxes me as well as the mm. fact that she's a great songwriter, obviously. So would you say music is, is a form of escapism for you sometimes? Oh, 100%. I mean, many times. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's also just a comp- uh, a compliment almost to what's going on around me, but yeah, it's mm. definitely one of the things I turn to first when I'm feeling certain moods and I don't think that will ever change. So. So I, I get this conversation I've had with a few people that being in lockdown, especially people working at home, they're finding it hard to kind of differentiate between the place where they work and the place where they live, um, essentially. And so do you find music as that kind of, it helps you kind of detach a bit from work and separate your work and home life? Yeah, I would de- definitely say so. I mean, I think initially as you said before, just the lack of commutes can some, that alone sort of reduces when you're naturally listening to music. But what Mm. I've done since is I've just tried to any weekday that I get some time after work, I just go for a walk and Mm. it's a good chance to listen to music then. And as Mm. I say, I always have these sort of midnight to 2am sessions that I always have to myself normally. And yeah, I completely agree, agree with what you just said. So Mm. one of those things where all day you're sort of focused on work work and obviously right now being in lockdown is um being surrounded by family so there's always something going on mm-hmm. so it's, music's definitely that sort of part of my day where it's kind of just like yeah I, separate from everything just myself enjoying yeah. the music really now that you've been so ha- am I right in saying that you've been working for about two years now or is it three almost three now almost three years yeah so as I'm someone that's kind of about to start working soon how has your relationship with music changed as you started working because I feel like whilst we were at uni we were able to kind of be a bit more relaxed in terms of things like going to concerts and stuff I was very it was very easy for me to just say okay I'm going to take the day off uni and not not go in and just go to a concert instead but now that you've started working and I suppose this this also is a parallel to any other kind of passion you have in life, anything else that you like doing in your spare free time. How have you kind of managed to balance that side of your life with, with work? Has it made things more difficult? I would say in terms of concerts, it's actually made it a little bit easier because now I actually have some money to spend. I was very broke back at university with all the concerts I was Mm. going to. At least now I feel a little bit less guilty booking tickets. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from this year, obviously, where, I mean, as you know, me and you had three more concerts booked for this year. That would have taken us 13 concerts together, but all got cancelled. Bloody Corona. Yep. (laughs) I mean, the thing with concerts is normally you buy these tickets so long in advance that it's not difficult for me to make time for it in that evening I just tell work um tell my team and they never really have an issue with it so I wouldn't say 
um, starting a job has affected my ability to go to concerts. In terms of listening to music, I think it's shaped my the types of music I listen to a bit more. Oh, really? I think, yeah, definitely. I think um, not to put anyone off, I guess, sometimes you're more stressed than ever at work than you ever have sort of been in your life, you know. Just because mm-hmm. at work you've got to sort of, you know, people count on you. It's not just at uni where you're only accountable for yourself. So I think my music choices have definitely changed a little bit. bit more relaxing music. Mm-hmm. Going to a bit more country country music recently. As I said, Lana Del Rey has become probably my most listened to artist for that, mm-hmm. partly for that reason. But also, I mean, I've started to work and listen to music at the same time. So I'm often there, you know, appearing to work hard, but I have very loud music in my ears. So, um, mm. I, I, I haven't. Sorry, yeah, what I guess you it say? really depends on what kind of job I guess you're you're sort of moving into. Because for me, I have the advantage that I mean, it's an office job, so wherever I am, client sites or at home right now, I can normally work and listen to music at the same time. So. Mm. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's, that's that's cool that you said that because I have a I have an interesting relationship with music and work. Sometimes I feel like I can really have it on in the background and really concentrate. And sometimes I'm just like I really can't do this. It's, I'm either focusing on one thing or the other, and I can't. When the lyrics are just too distracting or the music's too good, I just can't focus on the work that I'm doing. Yeah, um, I'm the same. Ali, do you do you feel that? Yeah, as well? I'm definitely the same. Like, I if I try and do that. Within 30 seconds, I'm like up and dancing or just trying to sing along or something. <laughs> like it, it pretty much never works, even mm. like so-called study music. Um, yeah, that's that's how I am when I'm trying to work. What about classical music? Have you ever, have you guys ever tried that? My, my little trick to that is I have a whole playlist of soundtracks, mainly Lord yeah. of the Rings, things like that, just because... Yeah, when I'm doing something okay. that I can't listen to lyric heavy music, mm. stick on some soundtracks. That's my thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ali, you and I have had a lot of discussions about music, um, and I feel like we we often like send each other like songs and stuff that I think we'd appreciate. And I do appreciate that a lot. Do you have those kind of relationships with other people? Do you find yourself using music as a way to kind of bond with other people? Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. Um, I'd say it was more of a thing pre-Spotify era when Mm. music wasn't so available and it was a bit more Mm. like finding diamonds in the rough and hidden gems here and there. Whereas now I feel Spotify and its algorithms are so good that most people are aware of loads of good artists and especially ones that usually wouldn't have been that well known. Um, mm. so yeah I'd say it was more so in the past but nowadays uh, yeah I definitely still send music to friends um, and I really enjoy that because you know sometimes I surprise them sometimes they surprise me like some of them never fail to surprise me mm. and I think that's one of the great things about music there's so much out there it's so broad. There's so many genres. It's all across the world. Anyone, anywhere can make a great song. Um, so there's always more to discover and more to share with friends. Mm. How? I Yeah, I did actually notice about you before because you said that uh, you were very into this before the, the whole Spotify era. Yeah. Um, how how were you discovering music at that point? So at that point, well, um, it was usually on things like you, uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, generally YouTube, and then sometimes just uh, online, just finding what people recommend. Um, and then I would just find like really like well-regarded and highly regarded albums that, definitely aren't like pop or mainstream or have come out a long time ago so aren't really going to pop up like Mm. um in in the common in the common eye 
Um, so yeah, that's how I would find music. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you remember, but it was quite fun um, playing music uh, at high school. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do you remember in the sixth form block, they had that kind of boombox thing upstairs? I feel like that was a status of power. Like if you had access to the yeah. court, you were like in charge and yeah. everyone would look up to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was amazing. I loved it. I used to try and like put on the most obscure, like funkiest shit I could find and just have so much pride. But <laughs> people are kind of like feeling the rhythm or whatever. Mm. But yeah, I feel that that era was really fun, like showing people new music. And I, but now I feel it's so accessible. Like everyone's kind of knows their own artists that you don't know about and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are some good times with the, with the old boombox. Sure. I was actually going to say like the accessibility of music now has changed a lot. Like you said, I was going to bring that up and I'm glad you did. In terms of Spotify, there's so much that's available. Like you can literally just pick any song that you like and do start song radio or something, and it will choose a whole load of songs that sound similar yeah. to that one. And there are bangers. Uh, there are bangers. Yeah, bangers. yeah, bangers that I would never have heard of. Like if I if I never press that button. Yeah. Um, it's changed a lot. I've noticed as well, especially I watched I rewatched Breaking Bad recently. Amazing show. If anyone if anyone needs any recommendations, but yeah. I literally, <laughs> I literally found myself shazamming every single song that I was yeah. listening to and adding <laughs> it to my library because it was songs I'd never heard before. Yeah. And I had watched it in year 12 or year 13 and yeah. I did probably did appreciate it at the time, but I never really kind of, I think I was probably a bit of a music snob at that point, only yeah. listening to artists that I really kind of liked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now yeah. I'm consuming it in such a different way. I'm very willing to discover new For things sure. and, um, you know, like, I think I did the exact same thing. Like, I, really? <laughs> I, I looked up some of those artists. Yeah, there's some good music there. Yeah, you know, definitely. Shout out to the uh, FIFA 12 soundtrack and any. Oh, definitely. <laughs> FIFA soundtracks are gold um, mine, honestly. Literally. Just, you know, indie rock everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'd be playing songs, and my friend, my best friend, would be like, "This song is on the FIFA soundtrack." I'm like, "Oh, seriously? Like, this is a banger." <laughs> um, Going on from what I was saying to you, uh, to Arab actually, but directing this question to Ali. So you and I are obviously both going to start working and we're not going to be working in London, which is where we've gone to like a lot of our gigs. Do you think it's going to be hard for us to, yeah. to kind of maintain that relationship? Yeah, it's interesting because we've, we've kind of been spoiled for choice in London. Yeah. I now like. I feel like we're really going to appreciate all those gigs that London offers. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be a good excuse to come back home and go to a gig. But also, I think we're going to get to experience gigs outside of London. Like, mm. you never know, your, your favourite artists might turn up at some smaller venue near you in Cambridge. That's, that's true. Yeah, and it'll be, I think it'll be a really different experience. Like, much mm. smaller venue, like, maybe more um diehard fans or whatever i don't know i think it will be different so i'm kind of looking forward to that as well um did you, I, both, did you both go to uni in london as well yeah, yeah so we, mm. yeah, so that, so I, I, yeah i know you, you sorry i was going to say yeah i know Mitel that you obviously didn't study in london so you've had a lot of experience of kind of going to low-scale gigs and all of that how's that experience been for you i mean great yeah i mean it's like what you said really bristol has an amazing scene um mm. And oh, yeah, yeah, like you said, I've, I've seen artists who in London would be in a huge stage and Bristol has been a bit more small. It's a bit, you know, if you've, you've been close to the artist, it's been lovely. Um, but it's also just a chance to, um, I don't know, certain cities have certain genres they really excel at. You know, Bristol was the home of trip hop in the 90s. And if you were in London, you wouldn't have got that sort of level of um, artistry. You know, you wouldn't have seen the same artists, you know. So it's a good chance to explore regional scenes as well. I think I'm going to be working near Bristol, so try and oh, cool. Yeah, I recommend the Canteen. There's a free music every single night. Good Afrobeat, <laughs> funk, etc. Right. Um, Bristol's great for that in general. You later. Um, Sick. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely up for uh, exploring new things, in new cities. I've only ever been to one music event uh, outside of London. It was actually no two actually. So I went same venue in Birmingham actually. Um, it was nice actually. It was just, we just, I just happened to be there on that day and had something booked. So it was fun. There's, there's an idea of community, I think, through music as well. A lot of people 
especially going to concerts and stuff, it's nice being surrounded by people that share that same kind of love for that person you're about to see live. And you've never met these people before, but you can strike up a conversation by just saying to them, oh, like, what's your favorite song? Like, oh, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And Mittal, I think with you, especially like, uh, I think if it wasn't for that St. Vincent concert that we went to in 2017 as well, sorry, 2018, what year was it? 2017, one of those years. Um, if it wasn't for that, then I don't think we would have actually reconnected as much as, as we have. And I really appreciate that. Um, it's just the idea as well that you can be in a club and you can be in, and even if you're not drinking or whatever, there's music around you playing. That's the thing that connects you all together. And like, even if it's a shittier song, even if it's like some random, like crappy R&B song about bitches or whatever in the club, it's like everyone knows the words and every everyone's connected with that. And like, even if you're inebriated or not, you're just you're just living for that moment. You're all connected with that with that one song. I think it's great. <laughs> no, yeah. for sure. And you know, it's tied to subcultures and music. You know, punk scenes, reggae scenes, whatever. You know, metal scenes, all mm. subcultures. Um, shout out to Goths. No, um, <laughs> and, you, know, you go to the same ven- you go to the same small venue. You know, week after week. Um, you'll see people who go there regularly. You'll you'll start to pick up which people are part of the scene. You know, it's it, yeah, it's tied to subcultures, definitely. Um, Mittal, so you studied uh, music at university, and one thing I wanted yeah. to discuss about that with you was the fact that you are a brown boy, and typically, how dare you? Sorry, I didn't mean to assume your identity, but um, as a brown uh, person growing up in in the UK. I suppose music isn't probably a, a typical choice that's kind of directed at us to study in higher education. How was that experience for you? Like, was, did you get some kind of, were your parents cool with it? How was that experience? I mean, it was fine overall. I mean, there's always the pressure to do maths and all that. But um, mm. I think as soon as I hit A-levels, I gave up every single science and, well, you know, and maths. Mm. Yeah. Alpha. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Big alpha energy. Um no, yeah, I, I, you know, pursue the humanities and, and that's partially because of my primary school education, the way that I, the music was a big thing there as well. I was lucky to go to primary school where there was an amazing music teacher and um, yeah, even from a young age, my parents sort of got me to arts clubs and stuff like that. So it was never really a huge problem, but I do understand that that experience isn't necessarily representative of other people's um, mm. and there are pressures in other people um, that I didn't really have. It's quite lucky to... Um, but yeah, um, it is kind of a luxury, I suppose, because if you know you're a second generation immigrant or whatever, um, there's that pressure to do to be financially stable, etc. Whereas if you do music, that's not going to happen, um, unless you do pursue, you know, something else. Um, there have been plenty of people who've studied music at university, gone on to do banking or you know whatever have mm. you. Um, one of the, you know, I, I, yeah, there are people i know who have who did you know whose passion was music but pursued banking and then ever you know sort of taken a sabbatical later on in life to pursue their passion again once they've made their money um so you know that's always the thing but yeah no i didn't really feel that much pressure really is that um, something the fact that you said that there might not be that money in um that much money in careers related to music is that something you thought about at school or was that a realization that kind of came to you later down the line and it was always made clear i think it's i mean i was happy not making millions or whatever or you know mm. not making above forty thousand pounds the rest of my life i think as long as i'm fairly you know stable that's fine really um although shout out to the economy who knows now but um <laughs> that's the case for everyone um but yeah i never really valued you know if you're going to be doing something for 50 years or well, 60 years whatever um you might as well have fun doing it, you know, not hate it at the very least. My dad was, he works as a software engineer and in a major bank and he loathes it. So um, that was, you know, that was a big decision. Me not pursuing something just for the sake of it. Mm. Um, you've got to have passion, whatever you do. Um, for so, anyone yeah. else that's uh, listening um, and is maybe interested in doing music at university, how was the course for you at Bristol? Bristol was amazing. Um, I, I, I'd say that music, it really varies across universities. Um, 
this may not be the case anymore, but from when I was applying, I've got the perception that Oxford and Cambridge were fairly, I mean, when you study music, it's going to be classical music centered, really. I mean, um, and I felt that Oxford and Cambridge were quite old fashioned in their approaches. It was very sort of, you know, stuck on the idea of Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, which in my opinion has been done to death. Um, Bristol was very good in that they had quite a lot of modules that sort of were, you know, um, a bit more creative. One of our lecturers was um, an expert in hip hop. He'd, he'd, you know, co-authored the Cambridge Guide to Hip Hop. Um, I studied music and migration where, you know, you delved a little bit into post-colonial theory, um, identities, um, philosophy of music, where we studied the Frankfurt School, um, which is the idea of, you know, um, some 40, 1940s German philosophical movement. But yeah, uh, Bristol in general is really good. Um, but it does depend on the uni you go to. And I'd, you know, recommend mm. looking at universities and their own merits. Uh, Leeds, I rate highly because they've got a music therapy department and they're quite good in their technical side of things, music tech. Um, which is really relevant in today's world, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I have a look at the universities and the courses there and pick something that suits you really. And for people that are maybe on the fence a little bit about it, would you recommend that they go and follow their passion? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely. I mean, I, I, it's hard to say really. I mean, um, courses are so expensive now, you've got to have some sort of plan economy is going down the drain um who knows frankly but um i mean you've, you essentially you've got to back your degree up with you know um some sort of life skill i know yeah you know you've got to learn about real world applications to it basically i mean um something that i didn't find amazing with bristol was that they didn't really it, it was great on the academic side but when it came to third year and it was great we're all going off into the real world now what does this degree mean for us? Um, you've got to have that sort of planning out of action. Um, I know people who, I know quite a lot of the class didn't end up pursuing music. They, you know, um, yeah. switched to a computer science master's. They, you know, went into management or, you know. Um, so that, that's something to be aware of. But it was, I would say, I mean, the course itself was amazing. Um, you know, it really, um, it's just about building yourself as a person and learning. Mm. Which, yeah learning being educated really um so that was totally worth it for that definitely um i think yeah. it's cool how um you obviously went and did music at university but in terms of people like arab and ali and i we were obviously very passionate about music at school but we've still continued with that um as we've gone into university and as we've become adults and i guess um, Mittal, we'll go back on, we'll talk a bit later about um, your your job and how, how that's been for you. But I guess as being an adult, there's the idea of kind of taking a plunge sometimes and trying something new. Um, and Arib, I know we've had this discussion about uh, going to a concert alone. And I wondered whether you're, you've kind of maybe changed your mindset a bit about that. Because um, I remember you said that you were quite apprehensive about it before. How do you feel about it now? Yeah, I've I've made a full u-turn um <laughs> i've only been to a concert alone once probably about two a year and a half ago maybe two years ago and yeah i i think after on reflection of it afterwards i was i was happy i made that choice and regretful at times i'd missed out on concerts in the past i mean only a couple of occasions but even then um i should not have missed out i mean, i remember the one that really hurts the most was Imagine Dragons, I think it was probably about three years ago. <laughs> Had the tickets, my friend pulled out last minute, couldn't find anyone. I thought, okay, I'm not going to go alone. So I made other plans. And I will never like not regret that because I haven't had a chance to see them since and um, still waiting. But that was a bad, <laughs> bad choice. So what was and my experience of going alone was, it was twofold. I mean, what was the part that you know, gave me reason to pause was because I'm quite introverted. Mm. So the idea of sort of queuing and waiting alone was very daunting. Yeah. And it was a little bit actually when I, when I went alone, it was a bit, um, yeah, it was a bit like that. Um, so I think if I were to go again, I would have, I would probably get seated rather than standing just to eliminate that. But yeah. the actual experience of the concert itself was unreal. I mean, 
like you said earlier, I don't think there's any comparable experience to sort of singing your heart out mm. in a crowd of people who are also singing the same song, like like-minded people yes. just enjoying the moment. I think that feeling is just unmatched. Mm. I think it makes every sort of every time that I've I've gone, you know, um, I've used up all my money on a concert. <laughs> That's the reason why I do it um, for those moments. So no, you're, I would say, no, you're, yeah, I would never sort of, my advice to people generally would just be to give it a go and don't let that hold you back because that experience, you shouldn't miss that for anything. Mm. And going alone is not a bad thing. I mean, people like you, for example, you're quite extroverted. And as you said, you, you can, it's very easy to strike up a conversation with a stranger at a concert. Everyone's there for the same reason. Everyone clearly has like probably pretty similar music tastes. Um, so it's, it's an easy conversation starter mm. and you can make new friends. You can reconnect with people. So I would, I would never on reflection now, I would definitely say to everyone to give it a go at least once. Yeah, you're I'm right. Sort of on the opposite foot of that, where uh, I've, oh, really? the vast majority of gigs that I've been to have been on my own due to the gigs that I go to, um, and uh, and as another introvert, I think it's yeah great. There are definitely pros to it. I mean, I can make my way to the front easily. Um, yeah, you know, enjoy the gig, make my way out. There's no way <laughs> for someone who's going to the toilet or whatever. That's you know, true. Um, yeah, other people, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, definitely, I think doing you know going to gig alone is definitely a, you know a good shout yeah i agree with the seated thing like it's a lot more comfortable um if you're by yourself to go seated interesting uh, yeah i never thought about it like that actually yeah you can just turn up for like 10 minutes before it starts that's true you? that's true actually. get your seat yeah. enjoy the concert exactly. and go home without having to worry about the rush as well at yeah. the end but yeah. mm. i think like, Arab, you were saying that I'm kind of extroverted. I, I think some people do think that, but at the same time, there are days where I do feel very introverted. And I think, especially going to a concert by yourself when you're standing in a queue by yourself and that whole process of just getting in and it's been like an hour and a half and you've had no one to speak to and you're just staring at your phone, it's very, it's difficult making that move from being on your phone to then looking at someone and being like, okay, let's start, let's start a conversation. It is hard, actually. But, uh, definitely i mean the motivation partly is that you can't use up all your battery before the concert because <laughs> you know how are you going to fill up that snapchat <laughs> that's very true <laughs> um and what was your experience to me then of the first time you went alone to a concert yeah how did you find it It was um it was a robin concert so it was last year and i've, I've wanted to see her for a long time actually um, and I didn't have anyone to go with and for a long time i was very on the fence very just like oh do i do it do i not like am I sad for, for going to a concert by myself? But then I just thought like, kind of, fuck it. Like, let's just do it. Let's just try and see what it's like. And it was absolutely fine. Like I had a really great time. The music was amazing. She was great live. And I didn't speak to like a whole load of people, but I, there were a few people around me and it was just, we had a bit of a conversation. I didn't end up becoming best friends with them or anything like that, but it was nice to just talk about how much um, we appreciated that artist. Because I think a lot of the time when you don't know, when, when you know and you're very passionate about a certain kind of music or artist that not many other people know about, it's fun because it's like your own little secret, like your own little thing. But at the same time, it's, it's also not so fun because you don't have that many people to talk about it with. So it is nice to actually finally see that community of people and be with them and appreciate it together in that kind of way. And you're right, when people are a whole room of, a, a whole room of people are just singing that same song at the same time. Her biggest song, I think, is uh, Dancing on My Own um, that got covered by someone on Britain's Got Talent or something like that. But it's her biggest song and the whole room was just singing it at once. And there's no feeling like that. It's incomparable, basically. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I would, I would recommend other people to do it. Um, I'm not saying it's everyone's cup of tea, but if you don't try it, you'll never know whether, whether you like it. And actually, I, was, I saw this article, actually, from Dice, who's like a new relatively new um, online ticketing company, I think. And they were saying that they did a poll of people, of young people, and I can't remember the statistics, but it was very high. It was about like 80% of people said that they had been to a, uh, a gig by themselves. And that 80% of those people said that they would do it again. So I think it's a lot of people that would want to try it. So, and actually enjoy it. So. Um, 
Yeah. It's one of those things where if I'd seen that statistic that you mentioned before, like, say, Imagine Dragons, mm. I mean, that would encourage, I guess, my thoughts back then were almost like, oh, who goes to a concert alone, this kind of stuff. And then you realise, oh, m- most people who go to concerts have been to one alone, so mm. it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How's your experience, Ali, been with, with going to concerts alone? Have you been to many alone? Yeah, I've been to quite a few alone. Um, I think because... Mm it's just difficult finding people with the same uh, Mm. music taste sometimes and you know people just can't make it and this and that um so yeah i'd say sometimes it has been a bit long like queuing up and then waiting for them to come on by yourself but like once they turn up and you just the music starts like you really forget about it yeah you really yeah. do yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great like and it's it's weird like i'm pretty sure i think i went to a gig alone and then like at one point i just started having a conversation with the artist in between the songs because i don't know what i think i just really wanted to talk to someone or something but like yeah we just started having a conversation mm. um i'd say yeah it's definitely a different experience um but I've definitely seen some great artists, like seriously, seriously great artists that don't perform often. Um, and I'm really glad I went and saw them uh, just for the music. Yeah. Mm. I think there's also that idea that you, when you're at a gig by yourself, you can appreciate the music a bit more. Because if a friend's not with you, you don't have to kind of feel like you're entertaining them or each other at the same time. You're just focusing solely on the artist that's performing. Yeah. And appreciating every moment of it. Yeah. Um, sure. But you're right, actually. Like there are a lot of interesting people that you see at these gigs and stuff, and the, the you just see how varied the fan bases are. Like yeah. I remember when you and I were at the Grimes <laughs> yeah. concert in second year, yeah. there was loads of people in like funky costumes. I that... remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just like if I if I didn't go to that, I never would have met certain people like that. It's just yeah. it, it, sh- it opens your eyes to the the variation of people yeah. that that are around and sure. appreciate the same kind of things that you do for sure um yeah I've, I've definitely met some really interesting people at gigs um have you made have you made any friends that you've actually stayed in contact with since and you metal as well i suppose this question goes for you um i don't think i've stayed in contact but or like that much but like just kind of acquaintances um but yeah i haven't I haven't really stayed in touch that much. Mm. I guess um, this, so my next question, I guess, kind of goes back to the way we consume music. How has it changed for you guys? If one of you guys wants to start first, but how, I know that we obviously stream a lot of music now, Spotify is available, but do you, do any of you own like record players or like still have iPods or anything like that? I am very, not stuck in my ways, but, I maybe haven't evolved as much as other people because I'm a a big time user of iTunes. Yeah, me too. I'm like you to me. <laughs> yeah. so I Same. I am very sort of stubborn in my approach where I download and buy all all my music all the time um, because my iTunes playlist is like my baby. I would not give up those sort of smart playlists, those play counts, all the old school features. <laughs> mm that seems to have died out with Apple Music and all this kind of stuff, but um, I have no intention of moving onto anything else like Apple Music. So I'm very steadfast. I'm staying on my iTunes um, as long as I can possibly keep it going. I'm actually, <laughs> I, just love I actually agree with that entire mentality. Yeah. I thought I was the only one that was like that. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm resisting. I'm going to obviously. So you don't... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was gonna. Sorry, we're all talking. <laughs> um, let's say Mitchell, Um You said that you don't use Spotify. I'm resisting the move. I can see the pros and cons. Like to be fair, when I've used it, the recommendation features have been amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I tend to download MP3s. And something that I think a great website is Bandcamp. Um, Spotify, yeah. you, you, the artist will get not points, not not whatever you know mm. pence to for each play, but. If you buy an album on Bandcamp, you spend eleven pounds. Ninety percent of that will go towards the artist directly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even then, um, in the last few weeks or so, Bandcamp will be doing, I think, uh, one day every month or one day every week. A hundred percent of proceeds have been going to various charities, 
uh, yeah, places like you know the O2 academies will be fine, hopefully. But um, your little small independent places mm. um might struggle going forward. But yeah, and it's also, true. I, I agree with Ari, but it is fully down to touring now. Mm, definitely, yeah. and also not to make this political, but the fact that we're now leaving the EU, it's going to make European artists a lot. It's going to make it a lot more difficult yeah. for them to start touring and taking their equipment across across different parts of Europe and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. music industry is going to be hit hard. It's a similar position to UK bands trying to tour in America at the moment, where the visas are ridiculously expensive and difficult to get. So, people just don't bother unless you have the money in the first place, um, which is a tiny minority of bands. So, yeah, it's um, potentially, you know troubling times ahead but we'll see what happens mm. so I wonder you, sorry no, I, was gonna say, I just makes me wonder i've noticed a lot the last few years how ticket prices for concerts have just skyrocketed some of them are pretty absurd mm, yeah. um mm. i wonder if that's pure if that is that just from is that from the artists knowing that they need to sort of depend on this touring money alone or is it the is it sort of um venue taking bigger cuts or is it both or is it neither i'm, I'm not sure but i just i think it'll be venue won't it yeah. because you know pro- land in london property in london is you know that skyrocketing if you're a music venue you're not making you know no one's really making money out of this apart from the landlords who own the properties in the first place if you own a venue that'll all go to the landlord if you're an artist who's playing at the venue that'll all go to the venue yeah. so it's just a big chain upwards really if you own the venues that's you know so, i think it's also the ticket sellers like i know Ticketmaster mm. often get exclusive yes. rights on us on a particular artist so only they're allowed to sell tickets which is a monopoly and obviously that's terrible like they yeah. jack up the prices quite often yeah definitely it's such yeah. a shame because i have so many friends that have these artists who they yeah. absolutely love but they just yeah. can't go see them because it's fifty pounds, sixty pounds yeah. or more. And it's a real shame that we've got to this and point. On top but, of that, yeah, I, sorry, but on top of that, you have the bots as well because because the prices are yeah. so high. Yeah, yeah scalpers. like uh, scalpers and stuff. Bots. They um they have bots that like automatically get the tickets and beat whatever raffle system they have in place. And so then it's just people trying to profiteer who don't even know the artist, where whilst the real fans miss out. So yeah, it's crazy. And if you're yeah. a ticket master who have a monopoly on it, you have no real incentive to make sure that doesn't happen because the tickets get bought either yeah, way. Exactly. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, in conclusion, uh, ticket master sort of <laughs> yeah. Basically, the human race is just really rubbish. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, to be fair, more artists are partnering up with Twickets nowadays. Yeah, I see that a lot more. Good, yeah. So yeah, we like it Twickets. does reduce. There's no point being a scalp. Yeah. Mm. buying tickets and you can't sell them for a profit I, have, now what's happening, so. I did read an article about this that all the points that you guys have said have actually been mentioned but they were, they were saying that artists like obviously like drake and billy eilish who are massive they know that they know that there are diehard fans who will pay anything to, yeah. to see them live but also the fact that their kind of their stage setup has kind of advanced over time as well and there are a lot more kind of technical things like fire like pyrotechnics and flashing lights and things moving up and down from the ceiling that probably do contribute a lot to the cost factor oh, okay but at the same time i i don't think it is 100 percent fair that they can charge like 110 pounds to to see them live or make a golden circle area which is like 130 pounds uh, or something like that there was something pretty t- terrible i heard about um i i didn't read into it that much so correct me if i'm wrong but i think taylor swift started a rewards system where basically the more merchandise you buy from her, the more points you get. And then the more points you have, the higher your priority for buying tickets to her shows, which just sounds like pretty horrible. It's the mini Taylor Swift economy there. You've got, you know, Taylor Swift stocks, Taylor Swift What's the Taylor Swift conversion rate to Kanye um, <laughs> as well? <laughs> I don't think they did that in the UK, but it definitely was in America. I do yeah. remember that. Um, yeah. I think some other artists were kind of joining on that bandwagon that as well. Sucks. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. You don't have that much money and you love the artists. You kind of have no choice. Yeah. Mm. It's definitely exploiting. I remember seeing, I mean, nowadays it's so common to see sort of tickets and album bundles 
where mm, artists mm. use tickets to sell albums, you know, to uh, get higher in the charts. And it's <laughs> such a, I don't, I don't like it at all. Uh, but, um, I think it's clever. <laughs> it's clever, but it's quite like disingenuous at the same time. Um, Mitha, I was actually, sorry, I was supposed to ask you as well, how was your, how was your experience of working in, in the kind of music industry? And I know you're helping um, inner city kids kind of get more engaged in, into the subject. How is that for you? Um, yeah, I mean, so what I work with London Music Masters and essentially we've got a few partner schools in central London. Um, as you'll all probably know, music education has been defunded for the last 10 years, if not more. Um, and even culturally, it's not really respected as a subject in primary schools at all. Um, so we sort of intervene in these partner schools and we have a fairly strong music program. And, you know, we've seen amazing results. We've been in these some of these schools for 10 years and some of these kids who, you know, um, uh, come from not the most privileged backgrounds have gone on to get music bursaries and scholarships to leading secondary schools. Um, a few of them are, you know, in a few really prestigious junior orchestras, conservatoires. Um, oh, wow. um, so, yeah, it, the the impact of a strong music education, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it can't be understated. I mean, as we were talking about earlier, well-being is a huge factor. Um, uh, a, a national music charity called Youth Music did a um, report last year called The Sound of the Next Generation and they surveyed about a thousand kids, um, 85% of whom said that music made them happy um, and we see that in our kids as well, 90% of parents said that our pupils are happy when they play music and that's really important in times like these when you know, if you're a kid and you're stuck at home um, and you can't see your friends, um, it's really important to have that creative and emotional outlet um mm. so yeah the, the, you know it's not just about it, it we value music for the sake of music but it also impacts so many other areas academic development social development you know Definitely. if you're a kid playing the violin in front of a hundred people um that will help you with public speaking which i think loads of people say is their number one fear um mm. so i think it's it, it's it's something that everyone deserves to have and unfortunately you know yeah it's only really available to those who can afford music lessons those who go to schools that have the you know facilities to you know have a strong music education um our secondary school that me um ali and tommy went to was really good with that um they had a really yeah. strong music department um that you know it had yeah. like, a couple of imax and stuff um that were like mm. bought for school by avid who owns Sibelius, um which is a major music notation software program um so yeah, it's important to make sure that all children have that opportunity, really, um, and it is a way of combating inequality um, in this country. I think um, you're right. Actually, I didn't. I didn't think about it until you just said it now and brought it up. That actually, we went to a school where we were very privileged in the sense that there were lots of opportunities given to us, and we could play whatever instrument we wanted to play. And there were a variety of different teachers who had come in and. Um, give us lessons and actually we were very lucky in that sense and it's great that you're you're able to kind of give that to some kids that might not necessarily be able to access it that easily are you mm. kind of more on the administration side or do you actually go into the schools and meet these children yourselves i'm part of the fundraising team so i um you know speak to philanthropists people who want to donate essentially i get people to donate towards um our work um we've got a team of 26 or 27 teachers who um teach in our schools We've got an admin team of about 10 or 11 people, some of which are part-time. So it's quite a small operation, um, really. And, you know, we work in six partner schools. So um, whilst we're a small charity, we've got big ambitions. Um, we've got a teacher training program that we're running for the second year now. Um, and that's sort of to combat this huge gap, essentially, in music teaching, where um, due to, you know, lack of funds in schools across the country most lessons done in groups now so and i think i don't know about you guys but i learned less i had one-on-one -on -one lessons yeah um, but it's more economically viable to teach kids in groups and there are you know there are definitely um positives to that as well you know music is a social activity i think learning it in groups is yeah. so much more fun but anyway definitely um, when you when you're a music teacher you don't learn how to teach in groups um a lot of teachers will learn how to teach one-on-one -on -one when it's vastly different. So we've got a program that's the first of its kind that addresses that gap in the market, essentially. And we equip teachers with the knowledge that, you know, it's teaching groups effectively. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, teachers who come from across the UK can then spread that knowledge out and um, mm. apply that elsewhere. Um, but yeah, yeah, 
I'm really glad to hear that because it's good to hear that you're you're able to give that to some some people that aren't um, able to access it as easily. Um, Arab, what was that experience like for you? Because I think you told me that you played the piano before. Did you have lessons at primary school or secondary school? I yeah, um, I I had piano lessons back in probably year four to year six. So it was just primary school really, and then I joined secondary school. I think within a year, I stopped playing. um quite quite sad actually why I had to stop playing um well I got to like a certain grade and I found it difficult to sort of play because my hands were really small um so I was like um, you know what it's not it's not worth it um but good news I mean I have spent this lockdown doing stuff for the first time in a while and I have started playing the piano again so excellent started playing for the first time in 13 years 14 years I, I don't know um amazing and i'm really enjoying it so i mean the amazing. first thing i'm gonna do when i do move back to my london flat after this is all over i'm gonna buy a keyboard for sure um amazing. Flat because yeah it's started to become a real sort of part of my day now oh, really good. and yeah, i'm really awesome. loving it so yeah oh nice amazing I was going to ask yeah. you, Ali and Mittal, actually, like, how has your relationship with music changed in this lockdown period? How, how have you been, like, is it the same as before or are you still um, kind of consuming I'd it in the same it's way? pretty much, it's pretty chill because um, I'm not working currently. Um, it's, mm. I'm, not, I'm not that stressed out. So it's, it's just, I'm not using it for escapism as much, but more just, like something on in the background uh if i'm doing something um occasionally like i'll just sit down and go and listen to a new album or something uh, but it's been quite chilled yeah mm. that's good i've been yeah listening to a lot of new music um i've been fairly stressed out um because the charity sector has been hit massively um yeah. but and if i've been i've noticed that i've been playing a lot less but writing music a lot more and recording things on the weekends because you know when you need an eight hour chunk of time and you're stuck at home that's the perfect time if you're not going outside um so yeah a lot more recording um, and writing things which has been really good that's um, really interesting you say that actually because i think mittel you don't have instagram but um maybe ali and arab have seen it arab definitely has but um i have an instagram account for like me singing and playing the piano sometimes and i was quite into it before but as soon as lockdown started i got very like unenthusiastic about it and very just mm. unmotivated to do it i think part of me felt a bit uh insensitive if i was posting videos towards the start because i felt bad of everything that was going on with coronavirus but i think maybe just it's just kind of stayed with me and i just haven't felt the need or the, the desire really to post anything more um which is strange actually i do i do still go on the piano and play from time to time but just not I'm not really, really motivated to to stick with it right now. But I feel like as soon as I start working, that's going to all change. I'm going to yeah. want to come back home, home and jam on the piano for however many hours by myself. I guess if you treat it as catharsis and you're doing nothing at the moment, there isn't that need for the mm. outlets. Whereas when you start your job, which will probably be quite stressful, probably, um, it'll be quite nice to have to sit down at the piano and have a play. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I'm going to be moving out of home, so I'm not going to have the piano like right next to me like whenever i want to just just play on it um i'll definitely appreciate it a lot more when i when i do start working um um oh, can i just say something yeah like um yeah, yeah when, arab when you were describing your experience of uh, playing an instrument yeah it was quite similar to mine as well um i was playing uh the guitar in uh primary school but then when I joined high school, um, I think it might have been the pressure of a new school and kind of, uh, I think now you mm. mentioned it, Mattel, I think a big mm. part of it was changing from like four to one lessons to one to one lessons. It was just quite intense, I think. Yeah, completely. Like, it's a very I was different just vibe. With, I had an hour, an hour's worth of time with the instructor and he gave me so much to learn that it was quite overwhelming. Whereas in primary school, it was me and three other students and this teacher who was like really laid back, really cool, really chill, who I really got on with. Whereas my high school teacher, like 
I think he was just maybe very advanced, but I just felt like it just became less enjoyable and a lot more serious. And I think that's what kind of made me eventually uh, stop. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if we have any advice to give on that, it would definitely be to try and stick at it, um, whatever you can do uh, as a young person, because you have more free time than you ever will when you're younger. So, you know, if you're not comfortable with That's the future true. as I mm. was, or like maybe even Arab, you could have got a smaller piano or something like that. I don't know. Like, really? I don't know. But like, whoever. If something's stopping you from playing an instrument and you're a young person, like, I'd really encourage you to try and eliminate any other obstacles which might be. In- that because it seems like it's yeah. a really great way to connect with yourself um, and it's something that I, I really hope mm. I, I have in the future but I can't say I have at the moment yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, agree. I agree yeah it's like if you if it's something that you enjoy you should try and take out any other obstacles yeah, that I, yeah. stop you from doing it essentially because I, I, um, I really did love it in so what were you about to say but just high school was com- a complete U-turn. I mean, you could when you move out of home, you could just buy a yeah. keyboard for yourself and start yeah. playing again in in Southwest England. Um, like for me, I played the violin from primary school, and I ended up doing grade six in year thirteen. And mm. I don't think I actually enjoyed it that much, which was a no. sad thing. And I actually enjoyed playing piano a lot more, which is what I do now. And I never actually did any grades oh, cool. in piano and singing and and stuff like that, but. I actually prefer doing that so much more than violin. I wish I focused more on something that I really enjoyed as opposed to forcing myself to do something mm-hmm. which I wasn't really that keen on in the first place. I think, yeah, grades are a fair. They're quite a UK thing. And I mm. think they're sort of a, a relics of a bygone era, really. Um, it's not necessarily the best way of learning an instrument where you're forced to slog through grades one to eight. And that killed the instrument. Mm. That, you know, that killed my passion for the trumpet as well. Mm. Um and so, yeah, there are so many different schools of thoughts in terms of how to teach. And I think it's important to find the right method, really. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Tamid. It's grades can just really yeah. suck the enjoyment out of. Really, yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Completely um, agree with that. I, that's, well, I mean, that, that's what I had in primary school, secondary school, just mm. grade five or grade six. And it just kind of got, it wasn't fun. And that was an excuse to stop. And now when I've restarted, I'm just playing songs yeah. that I just find on YouTube that I really want to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give it a go, learn it by myself. And it's so much more enjoyable. And I really, like, I feel myself thinking, yeah. why did I ever stop? Mm. So, I'm really glad to hear, Arab, that you started playing the piano again because uh, acoustic guitar is something that I really want to start playing. And I just mm. haven't had the motivation to buy one. In my head, when I start working, I'll, I have the money to, to buy one properly. And maybe yeah, when I'm in... In Cambridge, I'll, I'll have the time to by myself to to start that new interest. But yeah, no, it's really inspiring that you did that. And I know a lot of people are kind of sitting at at home in lockdown and have been quite inspired to try new things, painting and music and writing, all that kind of stuff. And this podcast actually starting it was p- part of that trying something new. Um, I don't know if Arab, you had any advice that you wanted to give as well about music in your life or just in general. <laughs> Any life lessons? <laughs> life lessons. <laughs> I would say, I know it's been echoed before, but I would say just never be closed-minded about anything in particular. I mean, mm. I'm one of those people who, my, my sort of music genres that I listen to span almost every single genre. And funnily enough, actually, one of my, um, someone just recently sort of introduced me into the world of K-pop. And now I have a whole K-pop so playlists of artists and songs that I really enjoy and I didn't expect that at all but it's just one of those things I think that's the good thing about music it's always evolving it's always more things to listen to one of the benefits of these streaming services you know as much as they have sort of um, drawbacks they have these big benefits that we're able to just access any genre any song at any time I think mm. that's something that more people should make the most of just be open-minded listen to all sorts of different genres give it a go 
awesome recommendations from people. And I mean, as you, me and you know very well, Tamid, I mean, you can so easily make sort of these deep friendships just from something like a music taste or a concert, you know? And that Mm. happens to us. So I would never underestimate sort of how amazing music can be, to be honest. I feel like it's a good place to start a friendship. I think like you can't just have a friendship based on a shared passion, but it definitely helps you start like any anything like any sport or any any TV show film that you're interested in. It allows you to kind of build a basis on a on a something stronger. Um, Mitchell exactly. as well, especially with you, you said that you were you play the trumpet and you um you uh kind of had this fun sucked out of it because of grades and you're in a band now, aren't you? Yeah, well, I started bass when I was 18 and like, that's been Sick. entirely self-taught and that's been way more fun. Um, so, yeah, it's opened up huge avenues to me, which I'm grateful for. Do you want to plug your band's name? <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if you, if you like post-punk, check out Bollards. We've got two tracks on Bandcamp we'll somewhere. That's great. Well, I think, I think that's a good place to wrap up then. So thank you guys again for your time today and taking time out of your day to actually speak to me. I've actually really enjoyed this discussion and, and the things that you guys have had to say about how music has had an impact on you and your lives. And I, I always knew it had, but I just thought it'd be great to have a kind of full-on proper discussion about it. And it's great to hear that it's been such an integral part of your lives and how, how you've seen it's affected other people as well, like, like you were saying, Mittal. And hopefully it will continue to be as we grow older. And that is, it's a passion that we encourage. If you, if you do enjoy it and it's something that you really want to do in life, then you should follow it. And there's honestly so much in the world of music, as Arab was saying, and as Ali and Mittal have as well, that there are concerts, listening parties, discussions, film music, classical music, like Facebook groups. And we, we do live in a streaming area where there's unlimited options to, to kind of choose from. So if you do have any questions about this topic, leave me a message on the Power Of's Instagram page. That's at thepowerof.podcast. And if you have any specific questions for Mittal um, about studying music at university or future careers that involve music, we can we can try and aim to put you guys in touch. So thanks again, guys, for joining me. And no thank problem. you to everyone thanks for listening to episode three. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks.